have your finger on 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. I just want to tell you a story. So I, um, we're talking about rest today, and I just basically come from this lifestyle, and I've talked about it at length, so I won't go there, but we just weren't raised with enough money to go on vacation. So the first time I ever went on vacation was actually my honeymoon, and it was Disney, and which is a pretty good one, you know, and I got my mind blown. I was like, whoa, you know, Space Mountain and everything. I'm like, whoa. Being all these nine-year-olds are like, yes, right? Like it totally worked on me. Like, thank you, Walt Disney. But for since that time on, through the duration of my marriage, every time my wife would ask me to do this like middle-class ritual that everyone does, I would be like, I am not going to go there. And what it was is she said, I want our family to go on a cruise. We have any cruisers in the house? A couple of all right, all right. Well, my, the reasoning is I'm just like wild. I'm like a ball of energy. Like I don't put on a front. I've been like this. I used to get beat ruthlessly from my mom for being this wild. You know, anyone else? I, my, my earliest memories, I had a 104 temperature, and I started to get delusional when I was four years old, and I started to climb my walls thinking that I was He-Man, master of the universe. You know, some of you don't know about the retro cartoons. But and I remember my mom just not knowing how to deal with me. So I've always been wound up. I've always been full of energy, just spunk, whatever. And it got me in a lot of trouble. I was like Dennis the Menace. But it also has helped me a lot in life, too, if I direct it into the right place. So for me, the idea of taking money and then paying for a vacation where I am trapped on a ship conjured up images of the Titanic. I'm like, so let me get this straight. Um, I'm going to be in the same place, stuck with all kinds of people, and I'm telling you within an hour, I will have mapped out that entire ship, and I'll be bored again. And the way that I survive vacations that we do go on is by exploring every nook and cranny of that region, and then by doing, you know, whatever. And so for me, the idea of a cruise was like torture until... Uh, I became the executive pastor at Road to Life Church, which is our sending church. And I had like, you know, a, a staff underneath me and we had about 20 something interns that uh, I was raising up. And we had had this idea each year, the internship was growing exponentially and people were making a decision about whether or not they should be in full-time ministry. And I was like the Sergeant Slaughter of full-time ministry. Like if you could make it through Pastor Mike, you should go to the next level, right? And, um, so that was kind of like my life. Well, we had made this decision that we were going to actually have a day shift, and then we were going to open it up for people who wanted to experience the internship but had to work day jobs to support their family. So we would do an evening shift, which basically meant I went from working all the time to working all the time times two. Because now I had a day shift and an evening shift of intern babies that were little ministry fetuses that could not take care of themselves and needed attention all the time. That was my life. So after the two and a half duration, two and a half year duration of doing that, my wife had said, I really think we should go on a cruise. And I was so just exhausted and depleted from life that I was like, you know what, babe, we'll do it. Now we get on this cruise and I didn't realize that you have already paid for an unlimited amount of food. 
And we, like, which is amazing, right? And now I'm like, I totally get why middle class people do this. <laughs> you just eat and then you do a bodily function and then you sleep and then you drink unlimited, you know? And all the Long Islanders said amen, right? Because, oh, don't you dare. It was a trap. Well, Pastor Julie talked about the grapes from Long Island. We've got to drink them all. They struggled for something. <laughs> Hashtag podcast listeners get it. Um, but you know, it was like you, you drink unlimited amounts of alcohol. You eat unlimited amounts of food. You half drowned in hot tubs. Then you sleep. And sometimes you do all that at the same time. That's what a cruise is. And it was crazy because, like, for me, I didn't have the internet or my phone or anything, which really freaked me out because it's like $1,000 an hour on the ship, right? I don't know. Someone who's never been on a cruise like, what? <laughs> but it was like 100 bucks a day or something crazy. So I was removed from all that stimulus, and then I didn't have any work threaded through anything that I did. So when I sat down to eat, they served me. There was no bill. I mean, it was like everything I did on that cruise was just stress and work-free. And probably like 32 hours into that experience, my body started to vibrate. And it was like I was shifting from this psychotic, you know, chaotic uh, ADHD craziness of Mike Signorelli into this lower-level hum that most other humans live on, right? Because I'm weird, dude. I, I'm weird, I, I, I eat standing up. I pace all day long. My desk at the headquarters, if you've ever seen it, has a crank, and you crank it up so I can stand up all day. I'm a freak, right? So I felt myself coming into, like, the landing, and I was like, what's this feeling? And Julie's like, I've drugged you. No, I'm just kidding. She was like, you are now experiencing rest. And I was like, I don't like it. You're crazy. <laughs> But I and I literally went into this like zombie like condition for like two or three days straight. And I don't even really remember the rest of it. I just slept and ate and slept and ate. And all of a sudden, as I was meditating on this word today and thinking about how I present rest to you, it just suddenly became so clear to me when I think about the gospel message, Jesus Christ, the reason why he died when he was hanging on that cross. He said, it is. It is. It's finished. And I thought about the fact that we had paid for this cruise. And when I showed up at the table to eat, I wanted to go pay the bill, but there was no bill because it was. You get what I'm saying? It was paid in full, man. And, and it was like, I just, it took me a while to adapt to it. But when I did, I came into this rest that I had never experienced before. And I, I think when I look at your life, I see you. This is, this is you. If you were a Christian and Christianity was a cruise, somebody say, I'm cruising. This is how you would cruise. You would just run as fast as you can down to the captain. You would throw the door open. You would start yelling at the captain. You have no idea what you're doing. You've totally screwed up the course. Give me the helm. I'm going to take, take over. Because you kind of do God like that. I mean, you don't allow him to be the captain of the cruise that you're, you're calling Christianity. And you're trying to grab the helm and I will take my singleness into my own hands. I need sex. I'll get it on Tinder right now. Swipe right. 
You know, and, and, and like, and, and you're trying to tell this captain with experience who's omnipotent and knows every direction that your life's course should go, let me do it because it's not finished yet. You haven't predetermined my days. You don't know the next step that I'll walk. You don't, that's why I told my wife, I said, the only kind of people who can't give and aren't generous are the people who don't believe that there's a future provision already prepared for them. And they think that they're the only means of their happiness. Let me just tell you this. Can I just tell you something? On the cruise of your life, you can't be the captain, just like you can't be the chef and the cook. Can you imagine me just barging into the kitchen and kicking the wall down and just telling them, I'm going to show you how this meal should be prepared? The only thing that I was able to do because the price had already been paid was receive it and be a partaker of those succulent, succulent crab legs. <laughs> and so Christ has already paid the price. It's already finished. And yet so many of us, our Christianity doesn't realize a confidence in what he's already done. We're striving to actually say, well, if I can join forces and it's a little bit of me and a little bit of you, we'll get there. Abraham tried that out and birthed Ishmael. It didn't work. And then all of a sudden, when Abraham actually did the supernatural through a supernatural means, which means sleeping essentially with a woman who was beyond childbearing age, she gave birth to Isaac. And do you know the revelation of when God actually caused Isaac to be killed and, and he gave that command to Abraham and then the angel stops his hand? Anyone know that story from back in the day? Okay, so we can just skip fast, flash forward, is that when his hand was restrained by the angel of the Lord, the reason why it was restrained is because the mission that God had Abraham on wasn't to kill Isaac. It was to kill the thing that would breed another Ishmael inside of Abraham. And what God is trying to do inside of your heart today is to stop you from missing out on true rest by taking something that there's a pure simplicity to it and complicating it by trying to help him along. Because Abraham said, I'm going to help God. And you know, it's funny. He said, I'm going to help God. I'm going to take a young woman who's of childbearing age, and I'm going to do a supernatural thing, and I'm going to partner the natural with it. And, you know, when he crossed over and birthed uh, through Sarah and when he birthed Isaac, all of a sudden that, that, that mission to kill Isaac was actually a mission to kill the heart of unbelief inside of Abraham. And you've got to go through that, that stage in life if you're ever going to encounter true rest. And it's so funny because in this thing called Christianity, the more advanced you get, the more simple the expression of your life will become. What do you do today, Mike? I prayed. What'd you do today, Mike? I read the Bible. I listened to the voice of my father. It gets simpler as you get more advanced. And we want to become Pharisees. We want to flip scripture in so many different directions that we prove to somebody that we're a spiritual giant, but we still got addictions in our life. We want to just prove to people that we've arrived. We can lead worship like none other. And yet the atmosphere of our home isn't the atmosphere of worship. But I'll tell you what, as you get more advanced in this thing, you'll, it'll get simpler. Somebody say, I'm cruising. Most of my counseling sessions could be remedied in the first five minutes if the people would have actually prayed before they ever got to me. And I can't tell you how many times I've asked, like, have you prayed about this? No. Well, come on, prayer is communication for information. If you don't start connecting with God, I'm telling you, I can't see the whole thing, but he can. He's got an aerial perspective, and he will download in your spirit the thing that you need. Somebody say, I'm cruising. 
And you might be saying, well, life isn't a cruise. That, so we've got to go to work. Um, I, I'm from Long Island. I work 90 hours a week. Well, can I tell you, I know people out here who work that much and are still getting evicted. I know people who have actually gotten a college degree and still only have a credit score of 480 and a $52,000 bill from the United States. So you will get to a place where all your striving and all your fighting will not get you rest. And it'll get you some semblance of success, but it's not enough. And, and I do surrender to the fact that we have to work, but can I tell you this? You're missing out on true rest, not because you're quitting your work, but because you're doing the wrong work. Let me just tell you like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, it says this, and this is Paul speaking. He says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. You're like, what is a jars of clay? Look at your skin. You're the jar of clay, the fragile, temporary jar. Because I'm telling you, no matter how much you do squats, it's coming to an end one day, baby. And you're just going to have to buy a bigger casket <laughs> to fit you down in there. But you're this jar of clay. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Who is it from? It's from God and it's not from us. What power? And it says this, we are hard-pressed on every side, but we're cruising. We're hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. And, and I think it's so important for us to understand that, that back then they were saying like this, we are cruising in life. Paul and Silas in a jail cell, completely in captivity. And I believe that Paul looked over to Silas and said, Silas, we're cruising right now. And I believe Silas said, yeah, we're cruising. You want to sing that worship song about no other name greater than the name of Jesus? Yeah, let's go ahead and sing it with the chains and shackles around our wrists right now because we believe that we can be hard-pressed on every side but still not be crushed because we've been a recipient of true rest. True rest. And I feel like on the surface, I would be the most hypocritical person to deliver a message like this if it hadn't been this one thing. It's hinging all on this. True rest is about abandoning this evil heart of unbelief and receiving that, God, you are going to do something through my life that only you can do because you've already finished it at the cross. And just believing, like, I can't contribute to what he's already done. I can just partake of it. In Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6, let me read this to you. It says, that's why the Holy Spirit says today, please listen. I believe the Holy Spirit's saying it in a movie theater, in an overflow auditorium, on the podcast. He's saying it to you right now. Please listen. Don't turn a deaf ear as in the bitter uprising. It's in quotes because he's alluding to this other time. It was a time of wilderness testing where the children of Israel, the chosen people of God, were, had come out of slavery and bondage, but now in the, the wilderness. And it says this, even though they watched, what did they watch with their own eyes? They watched me, God, at work for 40 years. Your ancestors, what did they refuse to do even while they're watching God at work? They refused to let me do it my way. Uh, I, I, I wrestled with this scripture because this is going to give you the root of a restless heart. What is the root of the restlessness in your life? Because I wanted so badly to preach a message against your, your cell phones. But I believe the Holy Spirit said that the, the cell phone is not the origin. It's just a reflection of their hearts. 
the restlessness that you spend watching funny cat videos on YouTube all night long in hopes that you're going to escape this reality is just a reflection of your heart. It's not about your phone. I'm not here to tell you about how you're playing a virtual slot machine every time you pull down your Facebook feed to see something else and to get the approval of man because that's just a reflection of a restless heart. But I begin to ask God, like, what really is it all about? How did the children of Israel see miracles right in front of their own eyes and yet not recognize them? Here's how. They were looking for the wrong miracle. They were looking for the wrong miracle. Somebody's getting free just from that right now. Because, see, the manna that was provided for them was the miracle, but they were looking for a different one. We're about to go eat at this picnic. And can I tell you, I've been at places in the world where we are going to be partakers of a miracle in the next hour at that picnic. But what happens is when you shift your focus to the wrong thing, you can miss the miracle right in front of you. And, we, and I think we live in this society where it's like miracles are manifesting all around us. We miss it. We miss it. I mean, I've been in places of Ukraine where they actually, when, when, they, when they're done with the bowl of milk, they will actually swish water in it and then take the last residue of that watery milk and just begin to chug that down because they don't know where more is coming from. And yet we become participants in this miracle that God's provided in our life, but we harden our heart against him because we have what Hebrews chapter 3 describes as an evil heart of unbelief. What does this have to do with rest? It has everything to do with rest. Let's keep reading. And I was provoked, oh so provoked, they said, they'll, they'll never keep their minds on God. They refuse to walk down my road exasperated. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. He says, I vowed they'll never get where they're going, never be able to sit down and rest, rest. Let's keep reading. So watch your step, friends. This is the writer of the text. Watch your step. I believe he's saying it to you right now in English, in a movie theater. Watch your step, my friends. Make sure there's no evil heart of unbelief lying around that will trip you up and throw you off your course, diverting you from the living God. From the living God. This evil heart of unbelief is the root of, the very root of the restlessness that you've encountered. You know, it's funny because you can sleep but have no rest. Did you know that? Have you ever done that? You can sleep. Go check into a hotel tonight, devoid of the distractions of your children and all the chaos of your home, and you'll wake up. And if you don't cure a heart of unbelief that the Bible actually calls evil, you will wake up without rest. You know, you can relax but not rest. You could play Nintendo Switch, Pokemon Go all over Long Island and get home and realize, I don't feel any more rested. I don't feel any more rested. You can even quit. Hear me out. There's many people here that you have this lie in your heart. You can even quit and still not rest. I've heard a lot of people say, well, I'm just quitting ministry. I'm quitting loading. I'm quitting loadout. I'm quitting how I serve in a Sunday morning. I'm quitting this. I'm quitting that. I'm just going to go ahead and quit because by quitting that, I'll be rested. But because they don't understand what true rest really is, they quit and yet never received rest. So what is rest? What is rest? 
I believe it's so quiet in here right now because I believe I'm speaking to the very root and the core of someone's identity right now. I feel that, that I really like feel this in my gut right now. I don't know who I'm talking to. Maybe it's many of you, but there is just a restlessness in your life. I mean, you've read all the books. I mean, my God, you've listened to all the talks, but there's a restless that re- restlessness that remains. What is it? I mean, you can go two weeks in a row eating vegetables only, but there's still this restlessness that remains. Augustine says this. He says, our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. Our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. How did Augustine know this? He was raised in a godly home and he left and he said, I'm going to go on a journey. I'm going to do everything that my parents told me I couldn't do. And I'm going to believe that there's rest in, in those things. And, and yet after he tried them all, did them all, he comes to this place of revelation where he says, our hearts, they're restless until they find rest in you. Until they find rest in you. You know, sin wore me out more than ministry ever did. Some of you have said, man, I don't know how Mike and Julie do it. I see them doing this and this. How how do they do it? Well, let me just tell you, sin wore me out more than ministry ever did. You know what's exhausting? Waking up hungover, trying to do the collateral damage, like how, how, trying to do an assessment of how much you affected in your stupidity the night before. Sin will wear you out. You know what's exhausting? hiding all the time, wearing a mask. It's exhausting deleting all the text messages out of your phone for fear that you're going to get caught. That is exhausting. Don't blame it on loading. Come on, somebody. I'll tell you what's exhausting. Being called to leadership, but living a lower level and running away from your call. You know, running away from your call is infinitely more exhausting than running in your call. You know, when I was fake rock star Mike Signorelli touring, it was exhausting because I was supposed to be a church planning, lead pastor, demon slaying, sickness healing in the name of Jesus, man of God. But I was hiding out in the wrong lane. Running in the wrong lane is infinitely more exhausting. You know what's exhausting? Being called to be an entrepreneur, but spending more time on the couch than you do out there building your business. That's exhausting. And you think that the couch is where you find your rest, but it's a false identity. It's a false you. It's depleting your reserves. It's taking you farther away from your call. And the true rest is not in passivity. It's in activity in the right thing. I think so many Christians love these messages about rest because they're like, did you listen to the podcast? Mike Signorelli told me don't do anything. No, I didn't. I said, stop sinning. Stop doing the wrong things. Change lanes and then you can do everything God called you to do. Our hearts are restless until they find our rest in you, God. Man, I believe that most people don't willfully sin they willfully look for rest in the wrong places. I don't really talk to that many people who are like, I'm diabolical and just super evil, and my goal was to just ravage my family, totally screw my destiny, and just act like I never heard anything about God my whole life. I don't sit in counseling sessions with people who can just tell me, you know what, I just, I just decided that I just want to blow up my life. 
I, f- I talk to people who say, I'm exhausted. I can't stop fighting with my wife. She doesn't appreciate how hard I work, and I found a woman who did. And that translates to me, I found my rest in the wrong place. I talk to people all, all week, and, and they don't tell me I willfully sinned. They actually say, I went in search of a relief. My mind, Pastor Mike, my mind, it won't ever shut down. So once I get three, four, five, six drinks in, man, it just does something to me. Well, so does the peace of God that will surpass all understanding. But you have to be a partaker of it. It makes total sense that you have to pour the drink, but pouring the drink will not intoxicate you. You have to receive the drink. Nobody will turn a drink down that's free at the bar, but we turn down living water every single day when we don't take time out of our schedule to say, I will drink of this thing and become intoxicated. There's a new wine that if you will receive the wine of the Holy Spirit, You will become so intoxicated that somebody will cut you off on the L.I.E. and you'll begin to speak in tongues instead of speaking in French. And you'll say, God bless them, love them. I rebuke that spirit of death that's going to come on them as soon as they flip that car four times. You, I mean, what would it be like if we came to church to get intoxicated? To say, I'm going to be a recipient of this Holy Spirit new wine. This is why today as you look at Hebrews chapter 3, the children of Israel missed it, man. They were looking for the wrong miracle. But I believe that just in this short time that we spent together today, that your eyes were open to the true miracle all around you. Because I'll tell you this much, I don't deserve to be, but I've been in the room with people who have the house that you think you want. I've been in the room with the people who drive three cars of your dreams. I've been in the room and they've cried to me and said that they're suicidal and nobody knows and they've tried to overdose on pills and they cut themselves so that they can feel something because they're so numbed because the success that they thought that was gonna complete them, all it did was punctuate this orphan spirit that was crying out for a living God but felt so abandoned in this life. I sat in those rooms so what are you going to go do? You're going to leave here and buy the car? You're going to leave there and go buy the house? You're going to have all these things, but you don't have rest in your soul? What are you going to do? Lose all the weight and then have a hardened heart against all the people who treat you differently and you realize they never loved you for who you really were? I mean, I've, I've literally pastored people who have lost dramatic amounts of weight and I said, wow, what an incredible testimony. And they've looked at me and they said, you know what, Mike? I was more depressed after I lost all the weight because after people treated me so drastically differently, it gave me a vile, sick perspective on humanity. And I realized how conditional people's love and kindness was because now I look different. And it actually, even the thing that they dreamed that they'd finally have that physical physique, all it did was harden their heart against humanity. So what do you want today? Because you can get it all, but if you don't find true rest in the presence and the person of Jesus Christ, it will actually destroy you to receive the thing that you think you want the most. 
Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click Give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.